This fall, we're preaching this sermon series called The Greatest of These about Paul's famous description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul writes, love is patient, love is kind, love is never envious or arrogant or boastful or rude. It does not insist upon its own way. Love is never irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't rejoice at the wrong, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, believes all things. Hope never ends. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So in his shapely, fulsome, and beloved description of the common concept of love in 1 Corinthians 13, St. Paul wants to tell us that love is not simple and singular, but rather compound and complex. He wants to say that love is less like a smooth, round pebble than like a multifaceted diamond where each plane sparkles in the sunshine. And so he says love is patient. He says love is kind. He says love is never envious or arrogant or boastful or rude. He says love does not insist upon its own way. That's the New Revised Standard Version of Paul's phrase. Love does not insist upon its own way. The King James Version reads, Love seeketh not its own. Another version says, Love is never self-seeking. My favorite is Eugene Peterson's translation. It, love is not always me first. Those are all fine translation of Paul's Greek and they all get his point across, but they're all negatives, right? They tell us what love is not, but not what love is. So let's turn those negatives into a positive and say that love is selfless or love is generous. Paul doesn't quite say this, but almost. It is impossible to be self-seeking and loving at the same time. A loving person, a generous person, never celebrates a pinched and mean sufficiency, but always a lavish overflowing extravagance. When I think about generosity, when I hear that word, I think of size, right? I think of spaciousness. I think of expansiveness. A 24-ounce porterhouse is a generous portion. A 52XL men's suit is a generous piece of clothing. A 10,000-square-foot home is a generous domicile. And so a generous person makes space in her life for others from her family to the new friend she just met at Altgelt Gardens. So I'm a Presbyterian, and as you know, the Presbyterian Church is the American daughter of the mother church, the Church of Scotland. And so most Presbyterians have a huge arsenal of Scots jokes at their disposal, most of them about the legendary stinginess of the Scottish people. For instance, Presbyterians might ask, What's the difference between a Scot and a canoe? And we might answer, a canoe tips. <laughs> or we might tell the story of the Englishman, the Irishman, and the Scotsman who attended the wake of a mutual friend, and at the wake the coffin was open, and so the Englishman passes by the casket, and to pay his respects to his friends, he lays a five-pound gold piece on the man's chest. And the Irishman does the same. And then the Scotsman comes past the open casket, tears streaming down his face. He writes a check for 15 pounds, puts it on the man's chest, 
and takes the two gold pieces as change. Because <laughs> that check is not going to be cashed. <laughs> so it's Stewardship Sunday, and I must make a claim upon your charity, which uh, is a word that's just a synonym for love, right? Charity from the Latin caritas, which means esteem or affection. The average gift every year at Kenilworth Union Church is $4,000. It's not an expectation, that's a statistic. You know, the village of Winnetka is kind of the anti-Altgelt Gardens as a village. The mean household income in Winnetka is $250,000 a year. It is the 14th richest zip code in the United States. Now you know where you stand in relation to that mean. Some of you are above that, some of you are below that. You also know where you want the church to stand in your long list of charitable obligations. We know you have a lot of responsibilities with your philanthropy. You have your alma mater, you have the art museum, the lyric, you have the night ministry, you have by the hand. All of these you need to support along with the church. And so your gift is between you and God and you and God alone. No expectation. However, I will be bold to ask for something, anything. Give us a dollar a week if that feels good to you, really. My last church, I had a guy who gave the church, every year he gave the church a pledge of $6,000 a year. This went on for several years running. Now that's a nice, nice pledge. When a check like that comes across John Sharp's desk, he first gets up and gives it a standing ovation, and then he drops to one knee and says, thank you, Jesus. Those $6,000 pledges make this church spin like a top. So this goes on for several years, $6,000 a year. And then one year, this guy sends us a check for $24,000. He quadrupled his pledge in one fell swoop. And when we call to thank him and ask him, why? The reason for his generosity, he says, well, I got my tax bill last week. It was $24,000. Now, I couldn't very well have my church pledge be a small fraction of my tax bill on my house, could I? I love the way that guy thinks. <laughs> if you uh, work in New York City and uh, live in the suburbs, you might take the train and commute through Grand Central Station. And if you do that, you might find a 50-year-old man with a salt and pepper beard named Luke Ryan, and he might be standing in one of the side hallways of Grand Central playing his beat-up guitar. He's playing Midnight Special extremely badly. He's got a bad voice, raspy, off-key. He's not hitting the chords with his guitar, and he has a sign behind him which reads, I'm a street musician. I'm too weird to live and too mean to die. Give me money or I'll play music. <laughs> That's my motto today. Give me money or I'll keep preaching. <laughs> and money makes me stop. Charles Feeney died on October 9 in San Francisco at the age of 92. They called Charles Feeney the James Bond of philanthropy. How's that for a title, the James Bond of philanthropy? I think that's just another way of saying that Charles Feeney was the goat of the philanthropic world, the greatest of all time. He was born in New Jersey in a pious Roman Catholic family in 1931, the fam working class family. They struggled during the Depression. 
but when Charles Feeney was a young man, he joined the Air Force around 1950, and when he was mustered out, he and a friend started selling liquor and alcohol and perfume to departing sailors through the seaports. And this modest homemade enterprise eventually grew into a sprawling network of duty-free shops at every airport in the world. He made a fortune. When he was 50 years old, he had seven palatial homes in New York, London, Paris, Honolulu, San Francisco, Aspen, and the French Riviera. But when he was about 50 years old, he started having second thoughts about living this life lifestyle, so he starts giving it all away. And then in the next 40 years, he gave away $8 billion to charity, including $350 million to his alma mater, Cornell. You can see why they call him the James Bond of philanthropy. He, he's given gifts to over a thousand buildings all around the world, and his name is not on a single one. He gives his gifts to these charities with cashier's checks, so nobody knows where it comes from. All this money raining down on these charities doing good, and nobody knew where the money was coming from. And then he finally fessed up in the 90s, and they finally figured out where it was all coming from. He has not owned a home or a car for the last 40 years. He wears a $10 wristwatch, and he prefers buses to taxis. He was married to a French woman for 35 years, and when he got divorced, in the 1990s, he gave her all seven of his homes and a pile of cash. Have you ever heard of that? In 2017, he finally gave away his last billion dollars and it emptied out his foundation. He closed it and emptied his foundation. It's all gone. Modest inheritances for his children, but otherwise he gave it all away. Well, that's what your giving should be like when your charity knows neither restraint nor publicity. Yes? Neither restraint nor publicity. When I celebrate a wedding, sometimes I ask my brides and grooms if they know about love's strange arithmetic. You know about love's strange arithmetic. The more you give, the more you have. The more you subtract, the more you add. The more you let go of, the more you hang on to. You know what Shakespeare has Juliet say to Romeo, right? Juliet say to Romeo, my bounty is as boundless as the sea, and my love as deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have, for both are infinite. It's love strange arithmetic. The more you give, the more you have. And so I tell my brides, forsake many good things that you might have enjoyed had you been living your own life. Put your partner's needs before your own. And I tell my grooms, lose many arguments because the legendary marriage therapist Esther Perel says, Bill, you can be right or you can be married. What do you want to be? Love's strange arithmetic, the more you give, the more you... It's like the wine at the wedding of Cana in Galilee. 150 gallons of a rich red burgundy from the hillsides of France. Like the wine at the wedding of Cana in Galilee, or like the five loaves and two fishes at the feeding of the 5,000, a banquet for two Kenilworths. There's always enough to go around. The more you give, 
the more you have. That works beautifully in marriage. And it also works in many areas, other areas of, of life, including the church.